0: three people down there, the ball's up in the air, caught, touchdown, caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think they like my Colorado sway. cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to aid. and when no am it go, you know I'm acting bad, Holly to Buffs with my Colorado, my Colorado swag, Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're talking about Jalen Gabadon. The Buffs landed another basketball player, and uh, he's an exciting one. However, that does mean the Buffs are currently at 13 scholarship players, without counting Jabari Walker, which puts them in a tough place and, and comes pretty close to being the writing on the wall. Um... We're digging into all that stuff today, what this roster looks like, and uh, yeah, you know, I did say that today we'd be talking about Jabari and his combine, and I had a chance to go back and, like, watch everything and take some notes and do all that sort of stuff. There have only been, I think, two big boards—no, three, because ESPN updated their, like, best available rankings— but didn't even like write a story or anything. It was a weird thing. It's just on their website. Um, I was expecting more, and I was expecting some like mock drafts or something from some more well-known outlets. You know, Jonathan Gavoni with ESPN, that that sort of stuff. Um, and so, since since this went down, uh, I figured we might as well talk about Jalen Gabadon, and uh, save that stuff for tomorrow. Give ourselves another twenty-four hours to see if. There's, there's just a little bit more context that we can throw in about Jabari because, you know, right now I think one ranking has him at 43, another has him at 68, and another has him not going in the top 60 picks or something. Um, I mean, the, the 60 picks of the draft. Um, and it'd just be nice if we could get two more in there. So, so that's kind of the plan for today, although we will be talking about Jabari a little bit because. He is kind of the underlying storyline with the addition of Jalen Gabadon. Um but let's jump in. So, the context of Jabari Walker and and everything that's going on there is maybe the bigger story here, but I want to start just by talking about Jalen Gabadon and who he is and what he provides. And uh then we'll get into that other stuff in the second half of the podcast. Um Again, that the Jabari Cloud kind of hangs over everything that happens with CU basketball right now, as it should. I mean, that's a that's a really really good player who changes the the entire outlook of this team. Um, it's not that they're incapable of being successful without him. The odds just go way up when you have one of the very best players in the Pac-12 on your roster. Um, ignoring that though, in a vacuum, Jalen Gabadon is a pretty awesome pickup. Um, You know, he kind of checks all the boxes. And this is something I talk about a lot. And this is kind of a a lame, lame way to start, maybe. I love the fact that he has one year of eligibility. I love the flexibility that that brings. I really think that in the transfer portal era, that's the way to play your cards. You know, obviously you could potentially miss out on oh Jalen is so good it's a shame we don't get him this year we could have gotten somebody else who who could have played two seasons there's potential for that down the road but the flexibility that you can keep when you just bring in veteran players is really nice and Jalen is another one of those guys just like an Ethan Wright um, who he's on your roster this season you figure it out again next year. Whether you want to bring in a young guy, if, if you have a bunch of these current young guys take a step in their game if you need to patch somebody. And on top of it, it's a veteran presence. And and Jalen is kind of the embodiment of a veteran presence and is the type of player that you totally expect Tab to Boyle to land. Um, he's, he's an East Coaster. He has been his whole life. Went to Yale um, and played so so he was hurt his first season that was his red shirt year then had four seasons since one of those the, the season that would have been his junior season the the Ivy League did not play like they just sat that whole one out and so while other conferences played whatever sort of schedule they played Ivy League didn't play at all technically he is he has one year of eligibility left he has one year of eligibility left um he's 6 foot 5 He's 190 pounds he's a pretty obviously lanky player um and and he's a really good defender he's he, he was the uh the Ivy League defensive player of the year in for the 2019-2020 season um was not this season but again I mean if you were that in in 2020 I have a feeling you're gonna be a good defender three years later so he was the defensive player of the year as a sophomore um which again is just Pretty impressive to think about. Um, on top of that, he's been the captain at Yale for the past two years. Um, again, a tad Boyle guy, a defender, somebody who has – he doesn't actually put up good rebounding numbers, but when you watch him out there, he's coming up with a lot of boards. I think there might just be one level of rebounding senses that, that he needs to pick up. I wouldn't be surprised if he adds that this this season. He seems really close, and there's a lot of good rebounds that he has. Um, but just, just in going back and watching some of Jabari um, in, in the combine over the past week, it is really impressive that the senses that he has when it comes to rebounding. Um, it just as soon as he starts to think somebody could get a, get a shot up, he's crashing the boards, and he's just timing it so well. And, and maybe it's seeing that that makes Gabadon just a little bit disappointing as a rebounder. But then you have to remember he's six foot five. He plays the two. He plays the three you can't be expecting him to put up Jabari numbers of boards. Um, He's, uh, he finished fifth in steals this season in the Ivy league. Fifth also in the defensive player of the year season. Um, He's switchable. Obviously he can, he can guard point guard, shooting guard, small forwards. I'm curious to see what he looks like against power five power forwards. I think that, there's a little bit of upside there. I don't think you want to make a habit of having him defend those guys. But, you know, when you go up against a little bit smaller team, I think he should be just fine defending those guys. Um, and we'll talk about how that fits in with the rest of the team, but it fits in pretty well. Um, offensively, you know, he can get to the rim. He he can, he can dunk the ball. He isn't an outstanding offensive player. Um, but... He he isn't like worthless out there. You know he's a solid cutter. Um, again, dunker, finishing at the rim—that's what he's all about. Um, actually, Yale's website had him credited at forty-one percent three-point shooting for that really great year, the Defensive Player of the Year season. When you look at the stats, he was like a 35% three-point shooter, so I'm not sure what the disconnect is there, whether that was a typo, whether they're counting something different, whether the stats are somehow wrong. I don't know. Um, But there's that discrepancy. This year, he was just under 30% three-point shooting. He takes probably two a game, something right around there. So not a great three-point threat. That's not really his game. Um Again, you could see that tick up a little bit, and if it ticks up a little bit, then he's close, right? He's close to providing spacing. If he can just spend some time in the gym and, and take just that little half step, then all of a sudden defenses are at least paying attention to him while he's out there, and that can open things up for for him and for others. Um, again, I think in general, you could say good basketball senses. I don't know if they're great. Um, you know, handles. Not great, but but you see at times he's, he's able to create his own shot, although that is, again, pretty rare, and that's against Ivy League competition. Um, he did score a little over 11 points per game this season. Uh, I think that was 15th or so in the Ivy League. Um, he was down around 6 in that previous season, that sophomore season. Remember, his junior season got canceled. Um, again, shot... Forty-seven and a half percent from the field, though this year, um, which is obviously very efficient, and he does what he does. You know, I, I think if you're looking for similarities, I, I, Neek Clifford is probably a pretty pretty easy comp. Um, Neek a little bit more explosive, um, probably not as polished as a defender. Neek probably a little bit better scorer, um, mostly because of the explosion, but also a little bit better three point shot. Um, but, again, similar style of players, and it makes sense, right? It's a style that Tad really likes. Um, you throw uh, you throw Javon Hadley, the Juco guy who's coming over. You throw him in that same category. Um, you, you, you see right now there's a lot of teams that are really building around that length, that, you know, just, just finding a bunch of guys who are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", throwing them all out there and seeing what happens. You know, you might be a little bit undersized in the front court, but with the length, you might be able to make up for it and and see how that goes. You know, Bama's doing a lot of that. Um, I think Tennessee would be another team kind of in that category, that, a team that Colorado has seen a couple times recently. Um, and I do think that in college basketball, that seems to be the way things are going. And I think with some of these portal additions, you see Tad add those sorts of players as well. And I think it's easy for him to explain why. You know, you... You see that you have Neek Clifford doing what he's doing and say, hey, what if we just added a couple more Neeks? It's not a bad idea. It's definitely not a bad idea. Um, So, yeah, there's, there's kind of what he provides. Uh, Is there anything else? Again, team captain, defensive player of the year. He can block some shots. He can get some steals. It probably better, better with the steals than the block shots, although he has done both. Um, I think he has a couple, like, three, four, five-assist games, I think. Uh eh, three, four-assist games. Oh, there is a five-assist game against Iona. Again, the level of competition, it's going to be interesting to see the change. Seems like a smart guy from what I've seen. Team captain would probably point to that as well. So, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. And again, in a vacuum, I think it's a good pickup. Um, we'll, we'll get into team building and just the structure of this team and Jabari and all that sort of stuff in just a second, um, but just purely in terms of the pickup, I, I really like it. I think that that's the type of player that, that you're looking for. I think Tad Boyle in particular likes this type of player. Um, seems like he should be a, a good culture fit, and again, yeah, he, he raises your floor, right? He's, he's one more guy that, you know, say R.J. doesn't pan out and you need another guard this year. Hey, he can do that. Say somebody gets hurt and you need somebody to play the two or the three or defend guards or whatever, he can sub in and do that. Um, the upside, I think, is there. I don't think you're looking at somebody who's going to be an all-pack 12, first-team all-pack 12 type of player. Um, but I do think that there is definitely honorable mention all-pack 12 potential Although, getting there is not something that I'd probably bet on. Um, high floor, with a good chance that he exceeds that floor by fairly slim margins. Um, and, and some upside as well, although you're not looking at an all-star probably. Um, so there we go. Before we get into Jabari and what the team looks like and kind of the flaws of this roster, because there are absolutely some flaws with this roster, um, I have a couple friends I want to talk about. DraftKings Sportsbook is incredible. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about DraftKings Sportsbook and playing on DraftKings Sportsbook. There's an Avs game tomorrow. I'm gonna have some sort of parlay cooked up for that, and uh, you should too. There's there's parlay insurance right now. Uh, if if you make a three leg parlay and you miss one of the legs, you'll get your money back in the form of a free bet up to twenty five dollars. It's an awesome promotion. That's for all users, and if you're a new user, you can bet $5 on any NBA team to win their next game. You'll get $150 in free bets if you're right. Again, an awesome promotion, so make sure that you get in on this. Um, once again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their next game. You get $150 in free bets. Uh, that's promo code DMVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, I want to tell you guys about Escape Artists. Escape Artists is Colorado's highest awarded topical brand. Um, it's, uh, they come in with ratios of one to one and high ratio CBD 20 to one. And, uh, they use the best materials, ingredients, all that sort of stuff. You, you just rub it onto your, your muscles, not onto, but the skin around your muscles and it'll penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort. Um, they're non-greasy, they're non-staining, they're fast-absorbing, it takes effect in 10 minutes or less, and the benefits last up to 2-3 to three hours. There's different scents and all that sort of stuff, and they, it's formulated by pharmaceutical scientists that believe that a brand should truly emp- exemplify the Colorado lifestyle. Um, if you want to check out Escape Artists, you can do that at Colorado's premier dispensary. That's Lightshade with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location is now open. It's one block off of 6th and Federal. It's the biggest Lightshade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. Um, podcast listeners get 25% off all non sale items with code DMVR. So shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. Okay. Um, Yeah, so where do the buffs stand? Starting with Jabari. I think, you know, this isn't a move that happened overnight. I think this has been something that's been in the works for for a while. I think that it's tough to look at it and say it's not connected with Jabari, but I have a feeling that it's not as connected as people might think. Um it obviously puts the bus in a tough spot. you know, if Jabari does come back, they have to free up a scholarship somehow and again th- this probably points toward Jabari not coming back and what points toward it more and is is more impactful than this in my mind is that uh Jabari did post um around dinner time tonight it's it's like uh he he signed with an agent. I'm not sure if it's a certified agent. I should check on that. Um, honestly, don't know how, so it's going to take some time. Um, I guess you just talk to somebody and it's like, hey, is this a certified agent? And so I don't think Googling is a very good way to do it. Um, but it, it was announced that he's with his agency, and he posted it to his Instagram story and said, time to be a pro. Which, again, hints at him leaving. Again, I don't think that, that means he's necessarily gone. I don't think the Gabadon move means that he's necessarily gone. Um I I, I think that this is another it, it it has similar vibes to the Jonathan Gavoni tweet that says Samaki Walker says Jabari's not going back to school. I'm pumping the brakes. I'm pumping the brakes on all this a little bit. Now is Jabari probably gone? Yeah he's probably gone. Um and and coming into today I would have said 50-50 now I'm saying it's 80 to 20 that Jabari's gone, but I do think there still is that much of a chance. I know that sounds crazy given the context, but I need you guys to just trust me on this one. Um, it's I don't think that this is necessarily cut and dry as of right now. Although again, Jabari comes back, you've got some, you've got one problem to solve, and that is where is this open scholarship? And and I guess maybe there's a chance we haven't heard somebody's in the transfer portal, something like that. But again, we'll we'll get there when we get there. So again, there's, there's two ways that this plays out. One is Jabari leaves, or no, sorry, Jabari comes back, and you wind up with somebody else moving out or something like that, however that works. And I would say that we can't really analyze the situation until we know who that player's gone. So we're just going to ignore that possibility for now, and, and I do just want to repeat. That's not because it's set in stone, it's because there's just question marks there and we're living in this world that we're living in now, and let's just say Jabari's gone and this roster is this roster, and we're going to talk about that roster for the rest of this podcast. Obviously, if Jabari comes back, we'll address that then. Um, So there we go. Here's what this roster looks like. Um, Point guard, KJ Simpson, Julian Hammond, Javon Ruffin can play the one or the two. KJ, I guess, could play the one or the two. Shooting guard, Nick Clifford, who can play the two or the three. Ethan Wright, who can play the two, and that might be it. Um, RJ Smith, who we haven't seen yet, can play the two, can maybe play the one as well, probably can't play the three. Small forward, Gabadon, play him at the two, play him at the three. If you want to go small ball, I think you can get away with playing him at the four, although it might be a bit of a stretch. Javon Hadley, exact same boat. And then Quincy Allen, probably a pretty pure three, pretty pure small forward. Um, But, again, who knows? We haven't seen him play. Um, At power forward, I've got Tristan De Silva there now, although, again, he started all last year at the three. He also played some small ball five, which I thought was a fun look. I've got Luke O'Brien there as well. Um, He might be best at the two, and this is way out of position, but they're shallow in the front court, and so we're playing him here. Can obviously play the three as well. Um, At center, Lawson Lovering. Also got Joe Hurlburt there, although he might be more of a four than a five. Um, would be my leaning again. The way the roster is built, though, we're putting him at the five. So again, the front court is very lean right now. There aren't a lot of bodies. Um, you've got Lawson at center. You've got Hurlbert backing him up. You've got De Silva at the four. He might be starting at the three again this year. You got Luke O'Brien, who's probably better off at the three than the four, and probably also better off at the two than the four. So. There's the big question mark. Is what do you do to make that front court work? And the answer is you've got a bunch of length, and you got to bet on that length. You got to bet on switchability. Again, with the starting lineup, you're just fine right now. You got KJ, you got Neek, you got, I'm putting Gabadon there now, although yeah, it could be Ethan Wright. It could be Julian Hammond. It could be Javon Hadley. Uh, it could be Quincy Allen, honestly. Although it does feel like four starters are set in stone, and that's KJ, that's Neek, and then power forward Tristan, and center Lawson. Again, Tristan might be at the three. I don't know how you make that work, though. I think he probably starts at the four this year, and that's where I like him best, honestly. Um, a starting five of Simpson, Clifford, Gabadon De Silva, Lovering, I think is a good starting five. I think that's a group that that's, that's an average Pac-12 starting five. At worst, uh, maybe not at worst, maybe not at worst. At worst, it's probably the eighth best starting five. Um, if if you get the bottom 25% outcome, then you're still probably a very average starting five. Again, it has upside. I think there's a chance that this is a top three to four starting five. Um, if things break right, again, not break perfectly, but break pretty well, um, you know, Gabadon contributes. Um, Da Silva takes a a, a bit of a step. Lawson takes a step. KJ gets rid of some of the bad turnovers. Neek is basically who he was last year and you're fine. Um, again, is it Gabadon? It might not be. It could be Hadley. It could be Wright. It could be any of these guys. Um, so keep that in mind. The question is the bench more so though. And it isn't the talent level of the bench. It's just what it looks like. You know, Tad's been using a pretty deep rotation basically since I started covering the team. I think a couple years ago, it got cut pretty short late in the year and into the postseason. But last year, I mean, it was it was still deep into the tournament. Um, so let's say they run a five-man bench again. What does that bench unit look like? Obviously, if Hammond's not starting, he's he's your backup point guard. Um, Ethan Wright again, sharpshooter. I think he honestly pairs pretty well with Hammond. Um, so there's your two. The three it's Javon Hadley, um, who provides a little bit of length to those two. I mean, it's it's somebody who should be able to defend a little bit better. Um, again, you you wonder if he can cut offensively and open some things up. Um, what is the shot like? We'll see. Um, and then the question marks are from there. You know, I think you have to hope that Joe Hurlbert is ready to to play off the bench I think you got to give him those minutes at six foot ten you just need that size with this bench unit um, you know Lawson Lovering similar in some ways little bit different in terms of you know Hurlbert, more of a, a stretch four probably Lawson more of a true five but because Lawson had some growing pains as most bigs do as a freshman you probably assume that Hurlbert will as well that's something he's going to have to just play through more likely than not um, so, again, Hammond, Wright, Hadley, Hurlburt. Then you get into who is this last guy. Um, Luke O'Brien would make some sense. He's stout enough and, and long, long as well. He should be able to hold up against backup fours and even against most starting fours. Um, if if you run with O'Brien, then he's probably pretty switchable with Hadley. Although Hammond, Wright, Maybe a little bit more limited. Still good defenders for sure. And and again, Ethan Wright, he can defend. He can rebound. You're, you're getting a lot out of him. He just doesn't have the size to match up with some of the some of the players that he's going to see at this level. Um, if it's not O'Brien, then what is Javon Ruffin this year? What is R.J. Smith as a freshman? What is Quincy Allen coming off the injury? And honestly, those are questions that you probably bring up with Javon Hadley as well. You know, he... I have Jalen Gabadon in the starting lineup. He's probably in that top 10, but there is a world in which Quincy Allen and Javon Hadley surpass him, and and he's left to kind of those scraps at the end. Uh, there's a lot in flux when you look at this, you know, this group of 13 scholarship players, but there is a lot of talent, and beyond that, a bunch of combinations. You know, putting Neek... Gabadon, and Hadley out there, that's a lot of length. And you could even put him out there with KJ at the point guard, put Tristan to Silva as a small ball five, and all of a sudden you've got a bunch of cutting. Um, you've got a, a very switchable defense, a, a defense where you know Tristan, again, as a small ball center, he's guarding the five, but is also obviously capable of playing against fours, against threes. Um, you've got Hadley, who... In that scheme, you're playing against fours, against threes, against twos. Probably the same with Neek, same with Gabadon. Um, and sorry, Gabadon, Hadley, Neek, that'd be that group that is very switchable, one through four in a small ball lineup. Um, again, KJ, how switchable is he? Eh, you, you hope he grows this year. Hammond, maybe a little bit more defensive upside this season. Um, probably a little bit higher floor this season defensively. Uh, but the margins are slim between him and Simpson. Can Javon Ruffin be a, a good defender this season? Could he fit better with that group, especially considering Tristan is a very good playmaking five, Neek is a good playmaking two, and you know, that that would take some of the workload off, off of Javon as a you know, a combo guard that you'd be playing at point guard, right? So there's one way to look at it. Or you throw K J out there with Ethan Wright, um, again maybe with De Silva at the five, and and then all of a sudden you have two spots open for your two best shooters. Is that best remaining shooters? Whether that's Allen, whether that's Hurlbert, who again has upside there. R.J. Smith, if he pops, Julian Hammond, Javon Ruff, and Javon, so you see the different combinations, and that's something that I know Tad really liked to have last year. It's something he said that that he really valued the ability to. To go big to to play Evan with Tristan with Jabari and then whoever you throw out there at guard or to go small with KJ and Neek and Tristan at the five and I mean Jabari at the four or five you can decide how you want those two play so I know that he really liked having that versatility last year on paper he has that versatility this year you know some of those things are relying on Quincy Allen being being a factor. You know, Jalen Gabadon, Javon Hadley being factors. You know, those guys have to pan out. Um, Hurlburt being being a factor this year, being somebody you're willing to put out there, happy to put out there. These combinations are there, but especially in the front court, the margins are a little bit thin. You know, you, you basically... First of all, you need Tristan De Silva to be a good player and to play most of this season. We'll knock on wood whenever we talk about that, but he... Along with Nick Clifford, I mean, those are kind of the two guys you're 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 banking on this season. Those those are probably your two best players. Um, with KJ Simpson having a chance, with Lawson, I think honestly having a chance to take a step, and then the the wild cards that are the rest of the roster. Who knows? But you look at it and say you need Nick Clifford and Tristan De Silva to be at the very least two of your three best players and to perform very well. Um, when you look at the front court. You know, Lawson Lovering, you lost him to injury last year. Well, knock on wood and say you need him this year. You know, if, if, if Tristan Da Silva winds up being I mean, Tristan De Silva, Joe Herbert, those are your two options at the four and five. Those are your starting four and five. Then what does that bench look like? You know, you got Luke O'Brien playing the four, and that's a bit of a stretch. You got Tristan Da Silva probably playing some of the five as well. Um, and whenever Herlbert's on the bench, you kinda need him there unless you go ultra small. The margin for error right now is just thin. And and honestly, that that might point toward hoping Jabari comes back and saying we'll figure out the scholarships if, if that comes, um, if, if that's a conversation we need to have. Because if you bring back Jabari, everything opens up. Everything's opens up. Um again, you don't know who's on the outs, but you have KJ. You have Neek, you have Tristan, you have Jabari, you have Lawson. That's a solid starting lineup. And then that bench unit, you you bring Hurlbert in, and and you're hoping that he is somebody that you can play as part of this rotation. If not, you go small with Tristan Jabari. It feels just a little bit easier. Um, and then what do you have with on Quincy Allen, Hadley, right? Ham. There's there's so many options that would open up if Jabari comes back. But again. It seems unlikely at this point. It definitely isn't something you should be betting on. And uh, we'll, we'll know for sure one week from today, on June 1st, when he has to make that decision. Um, you know, modern basketball is getting smaller. It's getting more switchable. Um, the Buffs have a bunch of guys who are switchable, who can defend, who can rebound. Um, and, and the question is, can you defend in the post? And who's going to score points? I think that you have a bunch of guys you can point to and say, we hope so. You, you just need them to come through. You know, you need Tristan to be a 12, 13, 14 point per game scorer. Need Clifford in that same range. KJ in that same range. And if you do that, you're going to be in good shape because you'll figure out the rest. It's just making sure those guys do their job and, and making sure that you have the bodies in the post. You got to have the bodies in the post. So I think those are all my thoughts. Um, that'll do it for today we'll actually be talking about jabari tomorrow regardless of what the internet has to say about him um, just because we need to get through this it just sucks that <laughs> just really sucks that that there isn't more being written about him in particular first of all but also the the draft class as a whole and, and these rankings the the de- uh, mock drafts all that sort of stuff um so, so yeah uh, like i said that's gonna do it for today be back tomorrow see you then